Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome, everyone, to the Story Box. This is the place to be if you're a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, growing abundantly, and if you want to improve your overall life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people of every profession all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Let's journey into the Story Box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. We are nearing episode 150 of the Storybox podcast, which is honestly thrilling and kind of scary because that means I've done almost 150 intros and I'm not getting better at them. <laughs> but anyway, guys, I appreciate you showing up today and taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to my next guest story. My next guest today is uh, Alex Pomeroy. Now, for those of you that don't know who Alex is, He's co-founder and partner of AGO Partners, a venture capital firm dedicated to investing in companies that create a better world. And his family has also got ties into the Golden Gate Bridge, which we do talk about in this conversation. And the Gold Rush, funny enough, is an original investor and one of the largest shareholders in Aspiration, a neo-bank for value-driven, conscious consumers. Alex was involved in the development of the Plant Your Change initiative where people can sign up their debt or credit cards to round up their change and fund planting a tree. Alex was also involved in developing the Aspiration Impact Measurement Tool, which is the first of its kind uh, way for customers to see their own personalized sustainability score. It is based on the social and environmental impact of the businesses at where they spend their money. Alex has made a total of 25 investments with 60 million of its of his own capital invested through funds. His portfolio includes Blue Apron, Postmates, and Embark, to name but a few. Alex is a big believer in ESG and, and impact investing, which for those of you that don't know what ESG stands for, it's Environmental Social Governance. And Alex also likes uh, foreseeing ESG coming into its own in 2021, this actual year. And he also likes looking at more businesses, uh, building sustainability plans like his family. Alex has a focus on looking at investments through a value-driven lens. And uh, this conversation took place last year, actually. It was, a, it was a pretty good conversation. 
So if you guys are interested in investments and why Alex does uh, all the things that he does to, to build a better world, then this is the story for you. So if you do get something from this episode, please share it around to your friends and your family. Let them know of this episode in particular. And also, if you can leave a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts, that would also go a long way in building this community once again. Also, I know, please subscribe uh, everywhere if you want to get more amazing stories. Uh, so with that being said, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to dive into the story box and hear the story of the man who wants to continue to plant change in our world, Alex Pomeroy. Yeah, well, Jay, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be a part of your, your show. I'm excited to have you here, man. But before we dive into, I guess, your backstory and how all this amazing stuff got started in the first place, I normally ask all my guests to start off with one particular question, and it would seem like you've had a lot of success over the years with everything that you've touched. I'm curious, what does success look like to you? Well, I think it's kind of the beginning of, a, of an adventure. I mean, uh, success for me is in stages. So you can start off having a successful moment in your history, then you can get into problems, but success is still out there. So I think it's a stepping stone to reaching something bigger and farther ahead of me. Um, so I think success is something that's maybe hard to always grab, but it's something you can hope for mm. and wish it came. Mm. I would have to definitely agree with that statement. I'm, I'm curious, when was the moment for you in your life that you sort of realized that success is ever flowing, like it's sort of hard to attain? Was there a well, somewhere? Um, well, I think it's more just that we all have failures in building businesses, even successful ones. You go through road bumps. I mean, through some of our best um, and biggest successes, we've had nightmares along the road. Um, and you have to kind of remind yourself to be present and remember that this is part of the journey and not get down on yourself and find a way to get back up. Because, you know, there's lots of lots of times in my my business career that I thought, well, it's going to be a little bit of a problem here. But, you know, we were able to weather the storm and, you know, ended up being our largest success. And other companies, you know, they started off really, really well. Everything was easy, no problem. And then suddenly, poof, mm. no success. So I think it's just about maintaining your course and and having hope and believing in yourself and believing in the companies and the founders that you're backing. Have you found that hard to do, actually believing in yourself over the years? I think it's just moments. I mean, I'm generally a pretty positive person. Uh, when I was younger, I was extremely positive. And then I went through a phase where I was a little bit more of a pessimist, or maybe I should say a realist. But no, I mean, I think I think you just have to be focused and in, in believing in yourself. I mean, there's the best investment you can make is in yourself. And it, it, for me to you know start a business, I'd rather invest in myself than other people. That's why I did it. And maybe other people are better than me. People have larger amounts of capital that they've raised or invested but I'd rather bet on myself. Mm. Where did this mindset for you come from, man? Like, have you always sort of been this positive, energetic sort of individual or like, did you I, always want to go into investing when you grew up? I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, you know, prior to college. It kind of just dawned upon me to get, in, get into investing. I, um, I've always had a very deep tie to my grandfather on my dad's side of the family, who was one of the people involved with the construction of the Golden Gate Bridge. And that always kind of motivated me to, to build and do more things in my life. Um, and I think that remembering what he did kind of gave me this positivity of like, 
what, look what he was able to do back then with nothing and came from nothing and started this all himself. So I've always had that kind of chip on my shoulder in a way to like remain positive and look, look at all the opportunities I've had because of my grandfather. Now I need to take this to the next level. I can relate to you on the grandfather level because I was super close with my grandfather. Unfortunately, he's still not alive to this day. I, I really wish that he was because the kind of lessons that he taught me as a young kid, I've held really dear to my heart and I still use them today. I, I, I now teach them to other young people in the hopes that they would actually take on board the wisdom. And what I'm curious about is what was the biggest lesson, the, the standout lesson that your grandfather taught you that you still hold dear to your heart today? Um, probably perseverance. Um, unfortunately, he died when I was three, so I didn't get to know him a lot when I was very young. But my grandmother, his wife, lived till she was 98. She passed away a couple of years ago. So I got to kind of feel and learn a lot of things about him through her. And um, perseverance, you know, he was diagnosed with bone cancer, had nine surgeries, you know, fought his way for many years to stay alive. And you know, was running his business at the same time. So there's moments when I'm all stressed about my business going like, oh God, what am I going to do? He was dealing with that at the same time as like basically dying from cancer. So like being able to, to have, to control two parts of your life in, in that way is pretty, is pretty powerful. Mm. Perseverance, I think is a very valuable character trait for one to have, uh, especially if you are in business, like perseverance is one of the most important things um i always say it's persistently being persistently persevering with prayer and practice mm -hmm. oh no, sorry I, I messed that up so it's persistently practicing prayer with perseverance there it is <laughs> um which is so important um in running your own business because you do have you mentioned earlier you do have a lot of storms that you go through and what i want to ask you now alex is what was a standout storm that you went through that changed your perspective on life? Um, in terms of business or personal life or? In terms of life in general, it can be personal life, it can be business as well, that sort of took you down a different path. Well, I think that um, I was, I went to school in Switzerland for, for high school. And when I graduated high school, I was trying to decide where I wanted to go with my life. I didn't know if I was going to go to the UK for university or in France, my mom's French. And I ended up going to USC in Los Angeles. And that kind of took me down this path that I'm currently on now. And I always say that there's two doors in life. You, you can make, you can open one door and it leads you down this scenario that could be great also. And then door B leads you down to another one that could be equally as good. And I think that it allowed me to, come to LA. I hadn't been here much. Now I've lived here 14 years and it allowed me to meet my business partner and start our business together. And I've made a lot of good friends. And if I wasn't in LA, I would have never been involved in aspiration. I would have never started this business with my partner. So I think that was a crucial moment for me so far in my path was making the decision to come to LA. Um, and then obviously after, after I graduated university, I ended up staying here as well because of the business opportunity. So. so why did you make the decision to come to LA in the first place? When I was younger, um, we spent a little time in Santa Barbara, which is a town about an hour and a half north of Los Angeles. So I knew Southern California. And after being many years in Switzerland, I wanted to have nice weather. And, um, and LA kind of was a good mix of, I felt somewhat comfortable in Southern California. And at the same time, USC is a great school. Um, and I thought there was a lot of opportunity there. And for me, in terms of what I wanted to study and 
I'm always, ex- I always love going to new places. I've, I've, I've always loved a little bit of adventure and kind of shocking myself by going somewhere new. Um, and I think that comes from my parents. Like they, we traveled a great deal when I was young and we went to places all over the world, like Cambodia and Vietnam and South Africa and Zimbabwe. So I always spent a lot of time on the road per se. So I love going to new places and a new city was something exciting. And now it's not a new city. <laughs> now it's your home. Now it's my home. Yeah. And I'm curious about when was the moment for you that you sort of realized, hang on a minute, I actually want to start my own business and do it all investing. Like when was that moment for you? It happened right out of college. I started investing um, in companies like early stage companies with a few buddies from school. And I just thought it was really interesting being able to kind of bring capital to these young entrepreneurs that are just starting off on their lives and their careers and being able to be involved, but not having the complete, like only focus on one company, like being able to kind of spread your bets across, learn from these entrepreneurs and, um, and develop brands with them. And I'm, I'm an entrepreneur by nature, but it's nice having a fun because you can be an entrepreneur, but at the same time, you can bet on different people and invest in different people. And um, I really, I really started really thinking it was going to be my path when I met my business partner, Joe Sandberg. Um, and this was in 2012. And he kind of took me under his wing. He's 10 years older than me. And uh, we built this business together. And I learned, you know, my business school was Joe Sandberg. So I've been able to, to keep that path going forward. And we've been together and we've built multiple businesses together. So, and I think there's a lot more to come for us. So this is, this is really exciting. And there's so much for me to actually ask you because uh, you're a man of many, many different talents in business. And this is something that I'm passionate about as well. One thing that I am curious about is mentorship and people that you go to and ask some questions. Were you ever afraid to ask somebody a question growing up about business? Or even when you met your business partner, were you firstly afraid? No, I was always very... Um... I was always able to push kind of that forward. I always wanted to ask questions. Maybe I would ask too many questions when I was young. I wanted to absorb and learn as much as possible. Maybe I came across as annoying as, as, as a young man, but it's only benefited me down the road. I mean, I've been very fortunate to have a handful of mentors that have been involved in all aspects of my life from you know helping me fund my first businesses to people that I can pick up the phone and call about family problems or girlfriend problems or whatever kind of advice you need. And um, I think that is because you ask questions like you're no one's going to just decide to mentor you just to mentor you you have to sort of create that relationship and that rapport with someone and to show your intelligence or your drive or your motivation i think that mentorship is the most important thing you can have and it's the most important thing that i've had in my life and i'm starting to do the same to other people as well Mm. i think we're very much very similar we have a very similar mindset very similar upbringing but i didn't travel at all actually. (laughs) But for me, it was more or less about asking too many questions. I never got on well with people my own age. I would always go up to the adults and ask them and annoy the living daylights out of them. I actually have one of them who would just say enough, like to stop (laughs) because I asked too many questions. But someone once said to me that the only bad question is a question not asked. And I, I always say to young people as well, do not be afraid to ask a question. And one thing that my grandfather taught me very, very early on is if you don't ask, you don't get. Mm. And it's such a, a important principle in business 
and in life that if you want to learn, if you want to grow, ask a question. <laughs> um, I couldn't agree more with you on that statement. I mean, also, I think when you're young, you can take risks. Mm. So take a risk to ask a question. I think a lot of young people are so sort of set in their own mind of like, well, this is what my father did, or this is what everyone else did in my class. I need to go to business school or I need to do this. No, take a risk. You're young. I mean, suddenly when you get into your mid thirties, you can't take the same risks, but when you're 22, 23 years old, you should take risks mm. because that's where the opportunity can be. Is that jumping on a whim and going after a business idea that you had, and you can end up turning it into the next Facebook. Um, so I think that people really need to be ambitious and have that sort of energy and that risk tolerance when they're young. What, what advice would you give a young person at the moment that wants to take the leap, that wants to take the risk, but their parents are saying to them, no, go to college, go do this, take the safe route? That's a tough one because I went <laughs> to college. I, I, I didn't take the leap that young. Um, but I think you have to, again, it goes back to that belief of believing in yourself. And I think if you think you're able to do that and are, and not going to school is going to not affect you down the road, then take that risk. But, um, you know, parents ultimately want the best for their children. Um, sometimes we might not think that or feel that, but till you start your own family, your parents are kind of the people you can trust the most in your life. Um, where they have sort of no ulterior motives on you. So I think there's, a, it's kind of a balance. You also have to not want to drive your parents completely mad because you're going to need their support somewhere down the road as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you on that. Like for, for example, I know for me, when I was eight years old, I knew I wanted to become a filmmaker. And mm -hmm. the person that I trusted the most, which was my uncle, he advised that he, my mom and my uncle, I should say, not just my uncle, but um, my uncle is in the film industry. So I trusted him more for the fact that he was actually in the industry. And I thought, to, I thought that he would say, you know, go to film school, get a, get a degree, then after the film school, then, but no, he didn't. He said, with the money that you could, you'll be spending at film school, use that money to actually make your own movie. But then my mom said, go to uh, business college, get a degree at business college, and then you'll be more employable elsewhere. So I was like, I was at a loss. Like I knew I wanted to be somebody mm -hmm. else, but then I was putting my worth into the job that I was going to do eventually later on. So I always say to young people as well, that you, you got to distinguish between I am versus I do. That's a very important thing. And yeah. But if your parents are saying to you, go do this, listen to them. You're still young. Like you got ample time to figure it out and nothing is ever wasted. It's a very important thing as well. Um, so anyway, I, I went to business college. I was miserable during that time, but I realized some very important life lessons, which is perseverance, which is um, figuring out what I really, really wanted and who I am as a person because it was tough. Cause I didn't mm. like it. So like I said, nothing is ever wasted. You got to look for the blessing in everything. So I, I thought I'd, I'd share that, uh, bouncing off of your, your advice there. Um, yeah. but I want to, I want to sort of, um, ask you a question that might be hard to answer, but we'll see how we go. Speaking about all this advice and wisdom and everything like that. I'm always curious. What is the worst piece of advice that you've ever received in life? Hmm, that's an interesting one. 
I think it's um, a lot of people want you to kind of take a leap, but without having any thought behind it. Um, I think that, you know, when I went, when I was saying earlier about taking risk or taking a jump for something, I still think you have to have sort of a purpose behind that. Um, and I guess the worst advice would be if someone just told you like, oh, go do anything, just do something kind of thing. Like, I think you have to have some sort of path that you've sort of figured out beforehand. So I, I, it's like the blind leading the blind. You want to have a mission statement behind what you're doing. And I think that if you have that mission behind the risk, then it makes sense. But just taking a leap for nothing and not having no real idea of what you're doing, maybe, maybe not the best advice that I've gotten. Mm, very similar to me. <laughs> Once again, I mean, it's, it's so question. That, so that one's, that's definitely not the easiest question to think back on. You can always think about the, the good advice because it resonated with you, but the bad advice, it's like, I tend to just kind of, you, you block it out. Like that's, I don't want that in my life at all. But yeah. someone also once said to me, they're like, the worst advice ends up being the best advice anyway. So it's funny how we block it out. But then when we look back on it, it ends up being great advice because it led us to where we needed to go. <laughs> so, um, okay. I'm, I'm curious about you starting this in initiative or development, which is plant your change. Where did you come up with this idea? So um, it's a part of Aspiration, this neobank that I was involved in the formation of it. Um, back in 2014 with two partners, Andre Cherney and my partner, Joe Sandberg, and my fund is also one of the co-founders of Aspiration. And we were thinking of ideas where you could re really measure impact. And there's a whole trend now in the world, ESG, and a lot of people are jumping on the bandwagon, you know, against fossil fuels or, you know, environmental factors. But a lot of these companies don't really have a way to actually measure that. And they kind of just label this, we're ESG, we care about social impact, we care about people. So we're like, well, what could we do to really show that what we stand for and how we can really create change? So plant your change rounds up the spare train change in your debit card or credit card transactions and plants a tree with that. And so far we've planted over 2 million trees um, and the initiative just launched a couple months ago. So that's a real way that we can actually see that there is an impact of what we're doing and our customers are creating an impact. And I think a lot of people in the world would care about planting a tree if it was easy and they could do it. But most people don't go online and how do I plant a tree and research it? No, but we've been able to create this software where it does it automatically. So a lot, I bet you 95% of the people that are using that plant your change platform have never planted a tree before. They might want to, but they just never had the opportunity or the ease to do so. And I think that a lot of that stems from my you know, childhood, spending a lot of time in Africa and caring about conservation and nature to be able to give something back um, and at the same time, we're creating bigger brand awareness. We're getting people excited about banking with us. And it shows kind of who we are and our value set compared to a lot of other people in the banking world. Mm. Why do you love investments? Well, it's the future. You're investing in something that people are going to use down the road. It's, um, I'll go back to my grandfather again. You know, he was able to build a lot of buildings that have stayed through history, like the Golden Gate or things in, in in the South Pacific during the war and, you know, different places that have stayed throughout history. And I'll never be able to build a building or bridge, but I might be able to build a company that will last far, far, far longer than I will on this planet. So I think that's kind of a reason to, that I like investing is because you're, you're investing in the future and you're investing in future generations to come. 
I like that, man. Do you have any regrets though with your investments? I mean, we've made some bad investments down the road. You know, I wish every investment I ever made was a, was a home run, but I think that we've been very smart in the way we've invested our capital where the more money we've put into deals, we've really put our time and big, big effort in those companies and those companies have done well. The investments that haven't done as well are companies that we didn't put a lot of capital into and we maybe didn't, weren't as passionate or, or focused on. So I think it kind of is a testament to our belief uh, how we invest is make smaller bets but really bet a lot on those. And what would you say to a young person that wants to get into investments? What would you say to them? I think you have to have a sort of philosophy around how you want to invest your capital. I mean, for us, um, you know, we always thought of how can we invest in companies that can give back impact to the world? Because it's not that we're a charity investment arm. You know, we want to make money. We're capitalists, but we also know that those opportunities are enormous because the government tends not to always solve problems that well. So if you can go in and create a business that solves a problem the government can't do, that market's enormous. So that was kind of the original thesis behind the way we invested was that is like, go after these societal impact issues that entrepreneurs are building companies around and invest in those because those have massive markets and can be the future of, of business going forward. Mm. That's an interesting point there that you raised. Um, I want to ask you, when was the last time that you felt guilty about either an investment or an expenditure in your life? Um, investment, not really guilty. I mean, I, I, most of my stuff is, you know, in the private markets, it's venture capital. I mean, I've, I've invested in big tech companies. I've invested in other companies in the public markets, but I won't say that expenditure. I mean, I love golf, so I buy too many golf clubs. Like I'm the I'm the perfect guy for golf club manufacturers. I have a that's probably <laughs> one of my soft spots for purchases. I tend to have too many golf clubs <laughs> and golf balls as well. Oh, yeah, I don't lose too many anymore because I've gotten fairly. <laughs> good. But at the beginning, I lost a ton, and I was definitely a a very good customer. You're a pro. I wouldn't not say quite, that I'm, I'm great at uh, golf, but it is somewhat. Relaxing and stressful at the same time. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that works. It's a little hectic. It's a, little hectic. It's, uh, it's a very good escape from, um, from business life because yeah. you it requires a lot of focus, um, short-term memory to be successful at it. So if you have a lot of problems, you know, in work or stressed out, if you go on the golf course, you can't bring that on the course. You have to leave that in the car. Mm. So that's something interesting about golf that I use as, you know, as a kind of a, cross line to what I do in my business life where it's, it's a game of inches, but you also have to be laser focused on it and, and have short-term memory. You got to move on. Mm. Maybe one day I might get back into golf. My dad used to take me all the time and I used to suck at it. <laughs> so I was, I it's, was not, it's not a fun sport to be bad at. I'll tell you that. Uh, tell me about it. I used to get like teased a lot because, you know, even though I was young, granted, but they, all the older guys would be like, yeah what <laughs> like credit for trying <laughs> but That's uh, about it. I, i'll just i'll just stick to basketball and and uh volleyball <laughs> uh for me but um what are for you alex what are three things that you do regularly that you actually hate doing in your life sitting in traffic yep 100 <laughs> <100%. laughs> 
having to spend time with people you don't really care about, but you have to, um, either in business or social circles um, or family even sometimes. Mm. Um, third one. Well, not being able to travel, which is kind of like a half one right now because of because of COVID, I, um, being stuck in a place for so long is not ideal. Mm. Very I miss having travel. Traffic one, definitely. Um, have you ever been to Sydney? I have been to Sydney. I was there when I was like 12. It's been oh, a long time. Yeah, it's been a long time. So Sydney traffic, uh, it's an absolute nightmare, man. Like I sit there and I become a completely different person when I'm in the car yeah. waiting. Like it's not, it's not good. <laughs> but the time. Yes, 100%. Um, I wish that in the future they would just develop short-term travel like teleportation so you can avoid all the traffic like that would be so that would be genius <laughs> Good would, thing, the only positive though of traffic is you listen to podcasts so it definitely maybe helps what your initiatives in life jay so i guess well, that's get, the one listen when to i'm really listening to podcasts is on when i'm in a car maybe you should listen to more of mine maybe <laughs> no but um they have to listen to my my annoying voice the whole way. I feel sorry for them. <laughs> I like it. Uh, no, dude, like, um, I appreciate you making the time for this. I've got a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. What is, what is a top financial goal that you've set yourself that you haven't been able to tick off yet? Taking a company public Ooh. that um, that I was either you know, a main investor in or was one of the founders or people backing the business. I think that's something that I, it's been a goal of mine to bring something that you've built to the public market and allow anyone the chance to invest in it. I think that'd be pretty amazing. I reckon, man, that'd be, uh, that'd be, that'd definitely be awesome. Like I'm, I'm rooting for you there uh, all the way to Australia. I want to see, I want to get the message that, that Jay, I've, I've listed it public. I'll be like cheering, man. <laughs> um, You'll be one of my first emails now. Definitely, hundred percent, man. Can't wait for that email. Maybe I can come back and tell you how it happened. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a part two, dude. Um, this is a more of a fun question that I ask people. But what is the weirdest food combination you've ever tried? The weirdest food combination. Mm. Wow. Um, must have been something on my travels, but I'm a pretty purist eater, so I don't go that aggressive. But God, that's a maybe like French fries dipped in chocolate. That was a weird one that I remember. It's not that crazy, but it was definitely a bit bizarre. I've heard of um, French fries dipped in ice cream. Like that's great. It's weird, but it's great. Like it works. Uh, never like, sweet. yeah, French fries and chocolate. That's new. Maybe I've got to try that one. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, didn't really work for me. It's kind of a weird combo. Have you ever tried, uh, like candy with, I'll use the American term because when I say lolly, you kind of like, what the hell is he talking about <laughs> for Americans? But I'll, I'll use the term candy and yogurt, like vanilla yogurt. Have you ever tried that like together? No. No. You should try it. It is, it is gold. <laughs> it I is guess another, yeah, a yogurt could be a weird combination with quite a few things. Now, just it came to my head like yogurt on top of sushi or sushi dipped in yogurt would be kind of a a bizarre one. 
It is bizarre, but strangely enough, it works. That's why it's weird. Weird and wonderful, I say. That's um, right. Do you read at all? Do you read any books? I do. I, I read more when I was younger. I read less now. I mean, I'm tending to read more business plans or things like that, but um, I, I love to read um, because it was, it's an, it's gives you a chance to transport yourself to another world. Mm. Uh, and I think that you, your brain reacts differently to reading versus watching a movie. Mm. You're not as passive. You're more involved in the story. Mm. What do you do? Like what's your daily routine, your habits, your rituals that set you up for a successful day, you reckon? You know, I try to get eight hours of sleep. So that, that would be, you know, kind of the start of that. And then, you know, get up, have a coffee, cappuccino in the morning, get going, roll some phone calls. Um, you know, in normal life, maybe meet your friends for lunch um, when we could actually go to restaurants. Our life has changed so much now. So now I'm like working out in the middle of the day instead of in the morning or the evening because your day just kind of flows based on your phone calls or your appointments or whatever you have. But we can't go to restaurants, so it's uh, kind of chops your day up. It tends to be a lot of Zooms now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think a, a combination of you know getting rest, having a full day of work, and then doing some sort of exercise or playing golf or some sort of uh, escape to your, your, your routine. Mm. It's, it's good, man. Um, my final question for you, this is my all-time favorite question. So you've been able to reach the age of 100. Just imagine with me, this is a hypothetical question. But just imagine you've reached the age of 100 and your friends have decided to put together a film for you, for Alex Pomeroy, of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all, call it magic, but they've got it, put it together and shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Um, perseverance. Um, in my work ethic and what I've been able to build, um, family, children, grandchildren, generational, mm -hmm. um, values that I was, you know, viewed and seen as a good person, um, motive that that's what motivates me also. Like, I don't want to cut any corners to reach a bigger success. Like I want to be viewed as someone that's done things the right way and, and took the right path. Um, and you know, good health. Hopefully I was healthy. Um, and I think, uh, being able to touch people in, in their lives in different ways. You know, I've had a lot of people that have made, you know, an impression on me and I'd like to leave an impression on a lot of people. And I hope part of the people in that video are, are, are people that I've made an impression on in my life. That'd be a powerful film to watch, man. hundred percent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It could be boring. hundred years is a long time. <laughs> I know, but I always say I'd much rather sit through a 100-year movie that has impacted so many people's lives yeah. than sit through a 100-year-old movie that they've done nothing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you got to do something and you got to mix in fun too. I mean, um, I think that having a lot of laughs in your life is one of the most important things. Mm. You can't laugh. I don't know. That's not a life I want. You're not living. You're not living. Like, uh, what, what is it? Uh, what's that old movie quote? Get busy living or get busy dying. Uh, I forgot, yeah. forgot what that was from, but get be busy living means also being happy and joyful, laughing, 
having the best relationships possible, being in of service to others, which you are, Alex, like the plant your 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 tree thing. That's a great investment for other people to become better in their life and helping others. All the investments that you put your hand to, they're incredible. So I want to acknowledge you for that, man. And say congratulations for everything that you're doing because don't stop. I know it can get really, really hard. I don't think you will stop, but don't. Just keep on going. But um, thank you for being a huge inspiration and for sharing a little bit of your story. I feel like there's so much more to you. Um, <laughs> next time. Next time, dude. Part two. When, when, yeah. you, go, when you go public, <laughs> we'll, we'll do a, a part two because I do have a couple more questions for you, but I want to be respectful of your time. Yeah, thank um, you very much. Alex, where can people find you real quick? Um, on our website, agopartners.com, on LinkedIn, Alex Pomeroy, Instagram, Alex Pomeroy. Hit me up. Awesome. I'll make sure that's all in the show notes below. But Alex, Alex Pomeroy, thank you for coming on the Storybox podcast. Thanks, Jay. Take care. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm.